yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Fifteen years ago, Steve Jobs took to the stage to introduce what he called a revolutionary new product. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. Apple's been very fortunate. It's been able to introduce a few of these into the world. And this week, 15 years ago, the first iPhone went on sale. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator, an iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? But is it still an all-conquering device? What might the iPhone 14 bring? Can it stay at the heart of Apple's world, or will smart glasses and cars become the company's new focus? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Well, joining me today is someone who was at the original launch. Stuart Miles is founder and CEO of PocketLink.com, which is one of the UK's best tech news sites. Stuart, were you one of those whooping? Uh, I wasn't. Um, I'm going to profess my my professionalism there. I was. I was. To be honest, I was too busy writing the, the copy to get it back to the news desk. To get out the fact that Steve Jobs had just, you know, had launched his phone and 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 it was effectively changed the world in that arena going forward. In that in those days, how were you? Were you just emailing the copy? Yeah, so I was uh no, was, I was at Pocket Lent still. We had Pocket Lent launched in 2003. So I was uh we had a CMS. We were quite early on in understanding that online CMSs would would be important. Uh I was, it was, I remember this clearly, I was writing it straight into our CMS to, to, to file it. Uh, the guy next to me was from a national newspaper. He was writing in shorthand on a, uh, one of those flip pen, you know, flip pads with a bit of pencil. And the other guy next to me was texting it back to the office on a T9 Nokia. So for those that don't, you know, a, like a 3310, but he was having to type, you know, A, one, two, three, yeah. B, you know, C, R, oh, you know, five presses, goodness. you know, 
trying to write this copy in in space as it was you know he'd get so far and then he'd send he'd send it and then he'd do it again what a pro i mean more <laughs> generally what was it like being there it was it was really exciting it was that i to set the to set the background slightly it would come from ces so it happened in january there's a big trade show called ces in vegas every year and we'd all flown into vegas and then uh, a bunch of us had effectively flown from Vegas down to San Francisco for the launch uh, and had kind of not knowing 100% what to expect. The rumor mill that you get these days where everything is detailed out in perfect you know, harmony be weeks before the event wasn't really around then. And so you kind of had this idea and, and, and the entire time, even into build up on the announcement, it was, oh, they've, they've launched an all screen, you know, all screen iPod touch. That, that's great, isn't it? That's good. And then he kept on going, you know, it's a it's a web browser, it's a music player, it's a whatever. And then it's like, oh, it's also a phone. Exciting. Yeah, I was surprised that nobody ever mixed that into uh, some kind of German uh, techno dance uh, track. <laughs> uh, it, it seemed ripe for that. We heard some cheers there from the audience. And in the many Apple launches that I've been to, there have always been those cheers. One of the accusations that has been thrown at the media is that they join in in the cheers. Now, I, and I would say this, but I've actually never heard that from the media core. Have you? No, and and certainly not the Brits or the Europeans uh, from that no, perspective. A healthy um, I think I think the the reality is with a lot of these events is that they're and and you've been to plenty of them as well. There are what I would call professional clappers uh, there that are, are kind of helping you around and and all the other stuff, and they get very very excited. Uh, even just kind of look, these seats have opened up. Woo! you know cheers and give me a you know s give me an e give me an a give me a t seat yeah amazing kind of thing um, and and so you've got a combination of that they, they'd also feel because it was such a big announcement they'd obviously filled the event with vip guests with lots of industry people and if you're you know if you're the ceo of orange that would have been at the time or vodafone or whatever and and someone's on stage and let's face it steve jobs was an amazing orator an amazing presenter uh, you know, if he's on stage telling you he's just announced a product that is going to have a massive impact to your bottom line and, and really help you shift a lot of phones uh, and bring more customers into your thing, you're going to be excited and you're going to clap. Was there a lot of skepticism back then about the iPhone? Huge, huge skepticism. Um, I remember coming out of it feeling a tiny bit underwhelmed, could see what was what the potential was, um, but but kind of slightly overwhelmed, uh, underwhelmed. In, in the sense of it was a time where Nokia was dominating. Uh, Sony Ericsson was fairly big. BlackBerry was kind of the business device to get. And here was a device that in reality allowed you to see your email in a pretty way, but not what seemed like a useful way from a BlackBerry perspective. Uh, didn't have copy and paste. Uh, didn't have apps. Didn't have, you know, most things. It was kind of like, oh, look, it can tell me the weather. And it's got a really good browser. I remember leaving, I was literally in San Francisco for a couple of hours. I flew in the night before, went to the event, and then flew back to Vegas. And that was when I kind of started to realize that things were going to change. And uh, Vegas at that point, everything was just, oh, it was a bit meh. It was kind of really... The, the, it really sucked all the wind out of, of the fanfare of Vegas. And sort of by the time you got home and then the months that followed, you kind of realized that, you know, that browser was going to be the thing that made the big difference. And that, you know, Nokia, no matter how much they tried, just didn't have a response. And even BlackBerry, you know, they launched, uh, I think 
later that, not even later that year, I think the year after they launched this device called the Storm, which was this massive screen that the whole screen moved like a like a like a, a pressure point thing because they just couldn't work out how Apple had got this kind of multi-touch kind of pocket, you know, pocketable device that was that delivered what consumers wanted, not what mm. business people wanted. It's hard to overstate what a shift it was, isn't it? Because I remember in those days as well, you had Motorola with the Razer phone, you had Nokia, which you've mentioned, had in Ireland, they had a 75% market share. Literally, that was the phone uh, yeah. to, to have. You still hear people talking nostalgically about those days. And then this device comes along. I was like you, I was quite skeptical about whether it could execute on the potential that it had. But I think probably we can safely say now that Steve Jobs was right. It was revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's dominated not only the smartphone industry for the last 15 years, but it's also dominated the way that other smartphone manufacturers think. You know, if you look at most phones today, uh, there's slight design changes, but they all look like the iPhone from 15 years ago. Um, you know, even to sort of the, you know, the pixels, these they've got that two tone color backing uh, and things like that. And that's, you know, that's, it's not to say, I think Apple and the iPhone have, have, you know, influenced the industry massively. They're not necessarily always uh, leading when it comes to the latest tech and, and you know things like that. And we've seen a lot of Chinese manufacturers embrace faster charging, for example, or mm -hmm. for a long time higher you know higher refresh rate screens or better cameras or or all those things. But it's just that it's it's technology that is fit for purpose combined with uh, this kind of understanding of how the consumer needs or wants to use their phone mm. that has then allowed them to dominate that sphere so well over the last 15 years. The other side to this and casting the net a little bit more widely is the iPhone created a new kind of attention sucking device, much more so than the texting cell phone. I wonder, has that had a downside as well? Or has it been for the better? I think it's really hard, right? So it's that sense of if you look at your phone, probably the thing you do least on it now is actually make phone calls and talk to people. Okay. You're either listening to music, you're watching video, you know, you're controlling your lights. You, you know, if you're a Tesla owner, it's your key to your car, right? And all these kind of things. And so there's a sense of sometimes if you if you say, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go without a phone for the weekend or whatever, you suddenly realize that you can't do a lot of other things that regardless of social networking and stuff like that. Mm. I think there is a, and we're certainly learning this across, you know, over the last couple of years, there is a, a concern and a worry about social networking and about the, that sort of addictive mentality of that elastic, you know, search where you pop down and read more stuff loads, you know, the infinite scroll approach or the, the oh, I've just got another notification. I just need to look at it, that kind of neediness mm. from there. But then you could also say that if used correctly, social media is a, is a amazing power for good and it has the ability to, you know, overthrow corrupt governments and, and things yep. like this. So I think it's 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 all about balance. You know, if we if we would have the same conversation about food, you know, I love a hamburger, right? That's great. But I'm not going to eat a hamburger for breakfast, for dinner, for lunch and dinner, because that wouldn't be sensible. If you just and gave, I think, if you gave me one chance to do that. <laughs> it'd be amazing. So right? do it. But, yeah. But it's that thing of if you if you if you're constantly in your phone and that's all you're doing is social media, then I don't necessarily think that's the phone's fault. Okay, it's an enabler, but I also think you need to, to think about how you're using the product and how you can control yourself. In the same way, mm. if you had a uh, you know a drinking problem or a gambling problem or, or something there, it's, it's a, 
it's not necessarily easy, but it's it's something, it, it's an enabler and we have to be aware of it. I think that's exactly right. And it's very well put. I'm always amazed when I see cars pull up somewhere at a shopping center and nobody gets out of their car now immediately. There's always a three to four minute period when they check and go into a small rabbit hole in their on their phone first, the same way yeah. you go to bed. Who has gone to bed in the last year and not spent a few minutes on their phone or maybe a few hours? Yeah, you see, you'd find this strange, but as a, certainly as someone that runs a technology website, I charge my phone downstairs. Right. So, and it's a game changer. I did it, I've done it for a couple of years now. It's amazing. I know this sounds very uh, evangelical, but it's that sense of- Sounds middle-aged, Stuart. Oh, maybe, but I, I charge my phone downstairs because it feels that it gives me that, even if it's only a couple of minutes before, you know, go upstairs, brush my teeth or whatever, and then jump into bed, I'm not looking at it mm. in, in, in the last thing at night. Or, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, oh, just check my phone, see what's happening. You know, there's not that temptation. Mm. And then in the morning, it's brilliant because you kind of get up and you, you find, oh, I'm just going to stretch in bed for a little bit. Mm. And then you get up and even, even just that walking downstairs, even if you walk straight downstairs and pick it up and start looking, for me, there's that 30 seconds to a couple of minutes where it doesn't feel like it's running my life. Yeah. What do we think is going to happen with the iPhone 14? It's now coming up to July. Traditionally, it's September when it is announced. This is the time of the year when a lot of the rumors hit mm. the the wires. It's also the time of year that people start wondering, well, there's really no point in me buying an iPhone 13 now if the iPhone 14 is coming out. There are some rumors of a larger non-pro model, which I think would be logical. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously more iPhones is the safe bet. Uh, more iPhones at the beginning of September is the double safe bet. Uh, more more iPhones uh, in September with faster processors and better cameras is is probably, you know, I think if we both wrote that copy, we'd, we'd be happy that we could stand by it in, in a couple of months' time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's interesting. Obviously, the pro models... Uh, there doesn't look like there's a huge amount of change there. There's rumors that there's going to be a what's called a punch hole camera. Um, at the moment, the iPhones have got a notch at the top. Uh, they're talking about turning that to a punch hole, which is very similar to the way that Samsung and, and others uh, display their cameras in the top of their phones on the front. Um, and on the, the lower end, the, the standard 14, there's always been a 14 and a 14 mini. Uh, there's been discussions for, I think last year, we, we all thought it was going to get get uh, binned uh, mm -hmm. there's uh, that that discussion has been raised again the the mini is a lovely little device it's so cute and it's you know it's great but the battery life is pretty shocking and i think you know because obviously it's so small and you can't put a big battery mm -hmm. in it so i think it, as you say it's logical that there'd be a 14 and a 14 max mm -hmm. as they would probably call it mainly because it it fits in with the the, the pro max they can use some of the same machining probably and tooling to, to do that but also it gets the big battery and people like that you know they always used to like the plus size when the iphone sevens and successes and eights and, and mm. things like that so i think it's people always want bigger phones because you get bigger batteries and and as you say we're we're, we're watching movies and tv shows and doing lots of other things on our phone than just putting in our pocket and phone and we think USB-C is probably going to be another year away right well, I think it, it makes sense. Like Apple have a tendency to try and eke out the sort of hardware they introduce uh, over a number of years to to really save on that on that kind of having to retool everything each year. You can see that with you know predominantly with all the you know you normally get the phone and then the following year you get the S model, which is mm. pretty much the same but with us with a, a, a processor update. We've only just seen 
the 13 and 13 Pro designs. And so for them to, to flip it out so quickly, uh, to me, doesn't feel like it's something, you know, I'm expecting a kind of 13S, so to speak, in, in that sense. Yeah. Uh, obviously, because of the European dictate, they'll, they'll have to move over eventually, and it makes sense to do so. But I, I, I think that they're not going to rush it if they don't have to. Yeah, there's another discussion that people have about whether or not to wait until the new model comes out or to buy now the current model. Mm. And normally, 90% of the time at this time of the year, I would tell people, no, wait for the next model. It's only two months away. This year, I'm not so sure. And for one main reason, because I'm expecting a significant uh, price rise, at least here in Euroland. If you look what happened mm. with the MacBook Air, the first generation M1 MacBook Air launched at about €1,100. Euro. It's now at 1229 for that same M1 model. The M2 version in Euroland is €1,529, Euro, a good mm. bit more than it is in the US and still quite a bit more also than it is in the UK. Now, following that precedent, if I'm looking at an iPhone 13, which currently costs somewhere around 900 euro in Euroland, I'm thinking the iPhone 14 with maybe not a whole lot more to it is going to be up over the 1000 euro mark. I don't know, of course, I'm speculating. Sure. But it, it adds something else into the mix this year for me. It does. I think there's, there's a couple of things there. On the on the rumors of what what we can expect, I suspect because of, of WWDC, there was this big play on these, uh, effectively the home screen lock screen uh, gallery of, of trying to make it more watch like, and I suspect that that will be certainly on the top levels. My my hope, uh, again, this is just a hope, um, that that would be an always on display mm. in the same way as the uh, Apple Watch does. So you tap it and it's you know springs into action, and, you know. And it's always on because they've made such a play of this UI for these things. And there's, you know, rumors of a better camera and there's a rumors of a faster machine and all the other stuff. I think I've always seen this over the last 20 odd years that I've been covering technology. I've always used this analogy of imagine going to uh, your local train station and there's a train coming into the platform, but the train is, is kind of never ending, right? It's one of those American stock cars that, you know, just 500 trucks later and it's still going and kind of thing. If you get on the train as soon as you arrive, you'll still get to where you're going and you'll get there a bit quicker. But if you wait a bit, then the seats are nicer. And so it's always that, you know, so you could wait, like you could go and buy one now and it will be a great phone and that's fine, right? And you'll be using that phone. But if you waited three months, you could get on the same train, but the carriage is nicer and the seats are nicer. And if you wait, Another five months, the seats are even nicer. And if you wait another five that, and so Yeah, that, that's true in general, though. I, but the point I'm making is that when you wait for that carriage a little bit later down the line, now it's it's not just that it's... Oh, the price goes up. Yeah, that, that it's not yeah. just that it's the same price as the current carriage. It's now 15 to 20% to 25% more for maybe just slightly nicer velvet on the seat. You know? Yeah, and, not and a bigger what you also good at... What you've also got to look at is that come September, uh, there will be huge discounts on all the current range mm. and, you know, those things as well. So if you're really about, if you're thinking about getting a new phone and you are driven by wanting all the latest shiny toys and the ability to kind of go, hey, look what I've got, you know, et cetera. Mm. Uh, and certainly with stock supply issues and stuff, it might be that you order it on September, whatever, and it doesn't come till November anyway, because they can't make enough of them. But you can either go for the top of the range, you know, and, and go that way, or you can say, right, 
the chances are is that now I'm going to find a really good deal on an iPhone tomorrow. Yep. Or, you know, because it's still a great phone. It was a great phone. And and I think sometimes that's that's some of the issue with uh with technology is that we're so focused on the on the now and the the new and the exciting that some of the stuff is just getting a bit too powerful for the average user. And then, you know, most people probably don't need the pro model, right. but there is that. And we talked about this, didn't we, before with the, with the MacBook pro is that, you know, they don't necessarily need the pro model, but they've always gone pro and pro sounds as if they're supposed to be better. Mm. So let's go for that. Well, 5g is a good example of that. I, I still can't come across more than two or three uses for 5g that most people uh, benefit from but it's included in every phone and the networks are rolling out and eventually we'll figure out uh, what to do with it and um, do you think overall that apple will continue to be dominated by the iphone you know, itself or the accessories based around it i mean the, the big story that we're expecting in the next year in one way or another are, are is smart glasses i think apple has over the last couple of years has been very clever in creating this ecosystem uh, this kind of family of devices that means that you can't move away because there's there's a, a stickiness to certain things within that. So, you know, launch the watch. Now I, I use the watch for payment. I use it to open my Mac. You know, I use it to tell me whether I'm, you know, I've done I've done enough exercise for the day. Now I suddenly, even if I didn't like the iPhone anymore, I wanted to go off and get a Samsung or a Motorola or something. I'd be like, oh, but then I'll then I'll lose the watch. And then and then you're like, okay, well. And then you've got the AirPods and you're like, oh, but then I really like the AirPods. And, and it just, oh, oh, now I can't find my keys because mm. I'm using Apple, you know, using the AirTags. And, and so it's a very good way of making their ecosystem very sticky because you kind of, you know, oh, I'm watching this show on Apple TV that I can't, I've got to just keep another couple of months going, you know, and then blah, 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 you know, it just goes on and yep. on. I think the glasses uh, have the potential to, they believe, to, to do that as well because once you start using those if they can find a use case mm. for that then you know it's another reason not to get rid of your phone or another reason to upgrade your phone because yeah. all of a sudden the latest things that you want to do with this device won't work because you haven't got the latest device of, of, on the other side of the stick yeah what do you think about cars do you, do you believe we know that apple has had a unit looking at cars we're not 100 percent sure whether that now is uh, just the software in cars because we know that they've uh they want auto manufacturers to essentially allow Apple software to take over all the screens in those cars, but we're not quite sure whether they're going to make a car themselves. Are we still kind of bullish about that? Do we still think they might? I I was thinking about this uh, when they announced all the extra stuff, the teaser for WWDC at the beginning of June. Remember, and you'll know this because I know you've been around a while like I have. Remember for a long time, Apple were making a TV mm. and it was actually going to be a physical big panel TV. And even after all these years, that never materialized, but oh, it just so happens that they've got the Apple TV box, which is kind of like an interface for your TV mm. that allows you to, to, to run your TV. And I wonder whether all this chatter about an Apple car is purely because they were trying to understand how, uh, how the telemetrics and how cars effectively work, you know, from a what they need to do from a software point of view to understand and, and create a, a UI mm -hmm. for manufacturers to use. Because if you're not, if you're trying, you can you can only do so far, so far if you're if if you're creating that software from scratch, you need 
thousands of people within the car industry to understand what's important, yeah. what's relevant, what's, you know, what's what's the way to go. And I wonder whether we've seen now that actually it's not a five-door saloon, it's the interface to run all five-door saloons. Yeah, I, I think you might be right, although... I do think that would be unusual for Apple in if you believe that they like to control the whole platform. I think with, with the TV, for example, it may not be as big as, as successful a part of their ecosystem as some of their other products because they don't actually control the physical TV with everything else they do, the computer, uh, the phone, uh, the tablet. But I, th I think you're probably on the money there. In terms of iPads and MacBooks, I remember one time a few years ago, I was interviewing Tim Cook, asked him, look, what are the chances of a touchscreen MacBook? And mm. at the time he said, nope, um, that would ruin the experience of the MacBook. It, it's not the way the computer is, is, is set up. And yet I'm looking at some of the updates to iPad OS. I'm looking at the, it getting a lot closer to Mac OS. And I'm starting to wonder, hmm, Maybe there will be a touchscreen MacBook in a while. I don't know. I I, I don't think there will be. No. Um, it's one of those things that Steve Jobs said on a number of times, wasn't it? Oh, why would you want to touch the screen? That doesn't make sense, <sighs> right? And then because he was all about using the iPad and that sort of sofa experience, and what they found is that people want to 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 type and to do things at speed. You need a keyboard on on the iPad, and so that's why they've got the Magic Keyboard and yeah. some you know there's lots of third party because it's it's. It's one of those desire lines, isn't it? It's like you build a park and you put paths in and then people walk across the grass and, and it's like, well, I don't want them to walk across the grass. I'm going to put signs on, but they do it anyway. Mm. And I think that's the same thing. You know, it's like I, I use my iPad a lot, uh, certainly when I'm traveling, and it's always with a keyboard because it's, you know, it's easier than mm. using the Mac. Uh, I think what you're trying to, what they're seeing, what we're seeing now, and I think I don't necessarily think this is the best way, but they're trying to, it felt this WWDC, with stage managers that they're trying to formulate a consistent UI and user interface across the Mac and the uh, and the iPad OS that is somewhat similar so that they can get Mac users to understand how to use an iPad in a multitasking way mm -hmm. and vice versa. But unfortunately, from what I've seen so far, it's trying to do too many things. And so therefore it doesn't necessarily, it, it's not a, it's not a great solution for one or a great mm. solution for the other. Finally, do you think the iPhone can keep its bull run going? I mean, I've seen surveys, particularly in the US, where for under 21s, it absolutely dominates. I mean, there are countries in Europe, France, Germany, um, where Android is a lot more popular um, for various reasons. But in the UK, in Ireland, in the US, um, and a lot of other countries, even among kids, you would think that because iPhones are can be more expensive, that Android handsets would be the more natural choice. But that's not the way it's it's turning out. So I guess if you're Apple, you're thinking we we have a shot of at least for the next four or five years still being top dog. I'm sure that's exactly what the BlackBerry CEO said, <laughs> and I'm sure that's exactly what Nokia CEO said, or yeah. even the HTC CEO said when they were at the top as well. I think it's. The success of Apple on that side of things is that they have this ecosystem that they've built. And so there are multiple devices that support 
you know, that that structure is not just, you know, HTC or Nokia or even BlackBerry's fault was they were just phone companies and had nothing else. Mm. And so when one didn't work or, you know, it was very easy to swap out from HTC to the Samsung Galaxy when that turned uh, turned up and started getting better. And then you just never look back. I think it's, you know, as long as Apple continues to innovate and continue to adapt to what we need and, and work, then uh, as any company would, then I think they've, they've got a chance of succeeding. I think where they're perhaps helpful against others you know they've got a little bit of a, uh, a head start is that it's such a strong brand that a lot of the time I think that brand cachet you know in the same way that you know Nike or Adidas have got such a strong brand and you go well these on clouds they're amazing they're brilliant right they're so much better but they're just never going to compete because they don't have that brand heritage they don't have that kind of buy-in from so many different places and culture and all the other stuff that you know as long as they make sure they don't get lazy and, and don't innovate then i think they'll be fine i think they'll be fine too uh, Stuart miles founder and ceo of pocketlint.com thank you very much for joining us today and check out Stuart's newsletter they have an excellent newsletter every morning which you can sign up uh, to for free and that's all we have time for this week so for me adrian wechter the tech editor of the irish and sunday independent thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you same time next week bye-bye Thank you.